Here I am again talking about intestines and Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, J-pouches, ileostomies, how to navigate your medical issues, and how to stay on the positive side of life when it has not been quite so simple to do. My name is Suzanne LaFleur, and I have had ulcerative colitis since I was 23 years old. At 33, I went through three surgeries, which ended up being four, in order to have my large intestine removed and have a J-pouch formed. For those of you who don't know what a J-pouch is, it's a very interesting little technology that has kept me from having a permanent ileostomy. In today's podcast, I will be talking about navigating the medical system and advocating for yourself when you have been through a life of Crohn's and colitis and the surgeries that are involved with getting an ileostomy or a J-pouch. There is definitely a lot of information that is coming at you and definitely a lot of differing opinions from differing physicians. The number one goal is to advocate for yourself and do what is best for you. Today, I would like to talk about our struggle and not just people with ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease and such. I would like to talk about our struggle with the healthcare system, our struggle with our physicians, with our surgeons, with the ER department. I've had several instances since becoming ill that I feel are definitely based on a lack of education for some of our medical staff. And I haven't stated this yet in my podcasts, but as soon as I was feeling well enough from my J-pouch surgeries and I was back on my feet and able to consider having a career that took a little bit more energy out of me, I actually went back to school and I became a licensed practical nurse. So I spent seven years nursing after I was the patient. So it did bring a lot of knowledge and a lot of firsthand experiences into my life that made me understand the nursing aspect and the medical care aspect of why I was treated certain ways at times. However, it also taught me to use my voice and to stand up and advocate for myself when I knew that there was something wrong and people were simply not listening. Had I never been a nurse, I never would have stood in front of a doctor in the ER department and said, I'm not leaving. I'm simply not leaving. You have not looked deep enough. So when I was ill and I was living in northern BC and my ex-husband was gone all the time and I was really getting run down raising four kids on my own, I ended up in the hospital for a few days. I just couldn't manage, couldn't eat, wasn't sleeping. I was down to under 100 pounds and I just felt absolutely terrible. 
so I went into the ER for, I needed hydration and I needed a little bit of a, an assessment of my medications because nothing seemed to be working. And the ER nurse who did my initial assessment asked me if I was a street drug user. And, you know, I look back now and I think I kind of looked like one back then because I was gaunt and under my eyes was dark and I was malnourished and and just knew that I needed something. I needed some medical attention. However, that is not really a question that you ask a patient unless you know them well. You do not ask a patient that question until you've looked through their file and you see what their condition is. Have they been into the ER before? Are they a frequent flyer? You know, you go you go into their chart first before you start asking ridiculous questions like that in my mind. It's what I do when I was a nurse. I would never come out and ask somebody if they were a drug user when they potentially could have cancer or Crohn's disease or pancreatitis or whatever. So if you are part of a medical team and you're listening to this, please pay attention because it is very, very difficult when you are feeling absolutely horrible and you're taking time away from your children who need you and you've got a friend watching them for you and you have no idea what stage your illness is at and you know you're getting to the point where nothing is working anymore. To be asked if you're a street drug user really is a slap in the face. My other instance, I try not to think about as someone who has already lost her colon, who already has a J pouch. I try not to think about this because what difference is it going to make at this point? It will only make me bitter. It's unlikely to do me any good in my life. But when I was told that I had no chance at living a normal life anymore, that my ulcerative colitis had gotten too bad and um, I was going to need a J-pouch. I had a specialist who was in his 60s. He told me in one of our meetings that he was one year from retirement and he kept me awake for my colonoscopy so that I could, quote unquote, see how sick my colon was. There goes my tummy. Did you hear it? It's lovely. These J pouches, aren't they? I guess what I'm trying to say is I had this feeling all along, even though I was so ill and I was barely absorbing anything that the doctors were saying. And I just, in my heart of hearts, I knew I wasn't ready to have my colon removed yet. But I was... 33 years old, I didn't have a whole lot of medical experience behind me when it came to anything besides my J-pouch. I had no family who was ill. I'd never had to support an ill parent or an ill sibling or an ill friend. So I was really green when it came to dealing with a medical system. When I started seeing my gastroenterologist in, in the city I live in now, Kelowna, BC, he's, he's a really good gastroenterologist and... Uh, he asked me the question. He said, why did they not try Remicade on you? It was available back then. And I looked him in the eye and I said, the specialist who assessed me and told me I needed surgery 
said that I was too far gone and that it would not do anything. I know in my heart of hearts that's untrue. By the look of my quivering-lipped gastroenterologist with this look on his face like, oh my God, what did they do to you? That is untrue. Remicade was not even attempted. And I only had 13 inches of my large intestine ill. Only 13 inches was affected and they did not even try Remicade. So I went through all these surgeries, trusted my, tr- trusted my specialist and went through all the surgeries. And a year later, woke up, all the surgeries done, ileostomy done, check, you know, J-pouch check, starting to feel a little, little bit better and my body was back intact. And it occurred to me then, why in the heck had I not gotten a second opinion Nobody ever mentioned, hey, Suze, before you get this done, why don't we go and get a second opinion? What this doctor is saying shouldn't be the be-all and end-all. Maybe there's somebody out there or, a, or something that could be done before taking these drastic measures. I know that we should have done that. I think about it at times and I have to let it go. If I don't let it go, I will be a bitter person. So I just focus on the positive, focus on what I have now, focus on the fact that even though I have a J-pouch and I'm still in the bathroom 15 times a day sometimes and I have to watch everything I eat, even on Remicade, I likely would have at some point ended up with the same outcome, which is a J-pouch. So it might have bought me a few more years with my colon. Who knows? It is what it is. It ended up the way it did. However, do I kick myself in the butt every single day? Because I did not advocate for myself 150%. Yes, I do. So when you're in those moments making big decisions and things seem hectic and chaotic and it just feels so overwhelming, as a patient, we are allowed to say, stop, wait a second. And take a step back, take a couple of days, say, no, I'm not doing this today. I'm going to go home, think about it, go through all the information you've given me, and I will give you an answer in a few days. It's like buying a car, you know, don't make big purchases overnight. Don't allow your colon to be pulled out of your body overnight. Just a bit of advice. Uh, Another instance that happened was after my very first surgery, I was in the hospital for five or six days. And when the surgeon came in and told me that he was going to be releasing me that day, I was free to go home. I looked at him and I said, I feel like weird. I don't feel well. My tummy is really bloated and I feel like my organs are actually floating in there and I'm nauseated. I haven't been able to eat very much and I just feel it just wasn't right. And um, he said, you've just had a major surgery. You've just had your colon entirely removed. You're not going to feel well for quite some time. And in my mind, I thought, fair enough. Okay. Yeah, you're right. It's going to be a while. And so my now ex-husband picked me up and drove me home two hours to the little town that we lived in. 
I got home and my sister was there taking care of my children and she took one look at me and she said, Suze, you look like crap. And I said, I feel like crap. And of course, she's very motherly and very loving and very doting. And she looked at me and said, okay, well, you need to eat something. What would you like? And I said, how about we start with a piece of toast? So she made me a piece of toast, put a little bit of butter on it and sat and chit-chatted with me while I tried little mouse bites off of it and tried to get it down. And I could not even eat a quarter of a piece of toast. My sister is a mama bear. Her name is Mona. She is a mama bear. And she take no shit from no one. It's just the way she is. She always has been and we love her for it. She called my home care nurse in the morning. She said, I will give you the night. However, I don't like the way you look. I don't, I have a bad feeling about this. Thank goodness for my sister's intuition and her mumminess because she called the home care nurse the next day. The nurse took all my vitals and assessed me and she herself put me in her car and drove me back to the ER in the little town that I lived in. The ER doctors assessed me and within half an hour, I was waving at my sister out the back of the ambulance doors with tears running down her face because there was something definitely wrong and they were bringing me back to the hospital to see why I was failing so badly. When I got there, my ex-husband was there and he and the doctors talked and they gave morphine and gravel through IV if anybody's ever had that. That's a treat. And next thing you knew, I was being prepped for another surgery. It turns out that I had gone septic. When they opened me up, I had a liter and a half of infection that they had to drain out of my abdomen, um, my small little laparoscopic incisions near my belly button and the other four for instruments were no longer so cute. I was cut from belly button to you know what. And uh, it was just all so fast. I was there. I was in the ER for not even an hour and I was under the knife again. So had I maybe in the hospital asked for another opinion then too or refused to leave quite so easily until they did a little bit more assessment, a little more taking, maybe some blood work, maybe some vitals, uh, potentially I wouldn't have put my body through going all the way home and coming all the way back. A couple days later after that surgery, um, I was in excruciating pain and I can deal with pain like nobody's business and I was in a terrible excruciating pain and so much so that my roommate's partner had to carry me to the bathroom because I couldn't even set my feet on the floor I was so painful and I kept calling the nurse and letting her know how much pain I was in and the the nurse said that she had let the surgeon know and that he said that you were gonna have to wait because he was busy and it's not speaking very well for the hospital I was at, does it? Anyway, so that was 10, 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. And by 1 p.m., my sister-in-law walked into the hospital room and I just burst out crying. And 
she went and talked to the nurse and then she called my mother-in-law who used to be an RN at that hospital. I don't know what phone calls my mother-in-law made, but next thing you knew, there was a surgeon in my room and screaming at me, of course, because I was hurting his day and wasting his time somehow. And uh, I just showed him the area that I had pain in and he started screaming at me, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Open you back up? And I said, do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes to make me feel better because my pain is at a 15 out of 10 right now. And so he took, no word of a lie, folks, took staple cutters out of his pocket and he started tearing staples out of my abdomen. I felt about six of them. And he pulled my incision open and green, thick, nasty pus came out and my pain was instantly gone. As I'm talking about this, I'm thinking, wow, wow, the hospital that I was at sure had some asshole doctors at it. You know, I think back, my specialist, my surgeon, and the resident surgeon who pulled the staples out of my stomach were all complete and utter, not nice people. How is it that one person deals with so many medical professionals that are just simply have no heart? Anywho, so opened me up and the infection, I guess, hadn't settled after my surgery and I was, I was left to be packed. My abdomen had to be packed and I had to heal from the inside out. So I spent another 12 days in the hospital that time that time I felt better and better every day. That time I could wrap my head around, okay, there's going to be a point here where I can go home. When I had the excruciating pain, they had taken blood work and everything and the, you know, my vitals and everything that time they'd gone through the proper procedures. And it turned out that I, I don't get white cells when I have an infection. My white cells do not elevate whatsoever, which is not normal. And when I have an infection, I do not show a fever. So those are two things that I learned that are very important things to learn about your body when, you're, when you need to advocate for yourself when you're unwell. Fast forward eight years, and I'm a nurse, and I'm sitting in the ER as a patient this time because my abdomen is puffed right out and I feel nauseous and I feel terrible. Same, same kind of feeling that I was having when I left the hospital after my first surgery. And the doctors do all the vitals and the blood work and all the assessment stuff that they need to do before making any decisions. And of course, my blood work comes back normal my temp like my i do not have a fever everything is fine my vitals are all fine my blood pressure is even on the low side as it always is and the doctor said there is nothing wrong with you go home and i took a look at him and i said there is something wrong with me i'm not going to go home I told you when I was talking to you that my I do not show a fever and I do not show white cells. You haven't looked deep enough and I am not going home until you do. And I don't know if it's because I'm a nurse or if it's the way I spoke to him or the fact that he knew I'd be camping out in that ER until he did something. However, he sent me for a CT scan. An hour later, the doctor walks through the ER waiting room and he says... 
uh, we can't let you go anywhere. The CT is glowing and we need to admit you right away. And you've got severe pouchitis and we're worried if we don't get you on IV treatment immediately that you might lose your pouch. So I might have smirked a little I told you so smirk. I didn't say I told you so to him. I thanked him. I thanked him for listening to me. And there I went going through the process of being admitted. And I ended up in the hospital for a week on IV antibiotics to get everything, the pouchitis and everything under control. So the moral of these stories is when you know there's something wrong, when you're talking to your doctors and you're saying, like, come on, like, I know my body. I know my body. I know how I'm supposed to feel. Make sure that you have educated yourself on what your illness is all about. Make sure you've educated if there's weird stuff going on with your body, because let's face it, not everybody's the same. Everybody's body is different. Had I not had the infection at, while I was in the hospital getting my, my um, colon removed, I would never have known that I don't show white cells and I don't show a fever. The only way that I know that I have some sort of infection or something going on in my body is serious pain and nausea. So now that I know that, and I've asked the doctors to put it on my chart, I feel like I'm one step towards not being poo-pooed and not being sent home with that you're fine look on their faces. So find your voice. If you think there's something wrong and the doctors aren't doing anything, be the squeaky wheel. Keep on talking. Keep on advocating because that's the only way that you're going to get what you need to feel better and live your best life. As a former medical professional, I do want to pass along as well. And I've, I've had a few of my physicians, surgeon um, friends say the same thing. In order to form a respectful relationship with your medical professional, don't forget to say thank you. So oftentimes when we're not feeling well, the grumpy sets in. I've heard other people that have Crohn's and colitis and people on my J-Pouch site talk about, you know, either their spouse or themselves or whatever. And when they're feeling really horrible, the grumpy sets in. It's very difficult when you're feeling unwell every day to say thank you to the people around you. It's very difficult to put a smile on your face and look outside and try to find something beautiful to smile about. It's very difficult to look beyond the pain or look beyond the fact that you've been in the bathroom 25 times that day. It's very, very difficult to find the silver linings. However, I've made it my goal to find good in my everyday. And to end this podcast, I am going to ask you to try and do the same. Take a look out your door. If you can't leave the house, phone a friend who might love to hear your voice. Do whatever it takes to put your feet on the floor. Do whatever it takes to embrace the happy part of life. I know it's difficult. I've been in very dark places, but it is possible. 
Thank you for listening to my podcast today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.